Hello, this is Dr. David Friedman, host of To Your Good Health Radio. Today I'm answering listeners' questions. I've received some really good ones that I'll be answering today, including natural ways to increase your energy, how gut health affects your brain. One listener asks my opinion on the big celery juice craze. I'll also chat about fermented foods, yo-yo dieting, and dangerous chemicals used to create vitamin supplements. If you're a popcorn lover, you need to know about a toxic ingredient that's commonly used to make microwave popcorn. I'll share tips on how you can avoid it. All of this and much more. You have questions, I have answers. Stay tuned for this information-packed segment, and it all starts now. It's To Your Good Health Radio with number one best-selling author and renowned wellness expert, Dr. David Friedman, changing lives just for the health of it. Hello, everybody. Since the last Ask the Doctor segment, I've gotten so many questions sent in. Thank you, everybody. Remember, if I answer yours on the air, I'm going to send you a signed copy of my award-winning number one best-selling book, Food Sanity, How to Eat in a World of Fads and Fiction. And I'm going to include my best-selling audiobook, America's Unbalanced Diet. If you have any health-related questions or comments, you can reach out to me at askthedoctor at toyourgoodhealthradio.com. Okay, let's get started. Our first question comes from Angela McAfee from Boston. Angela asks, Dear Dr. Friedman, I'm 58 years old, overweight, and I'm not healthy. I've spent most of my life eating fast food and snacking on comfort foods like potato chips. Is it too late for me to lose this weight and regain my health? Angela, no, it's not too late. You know, you've all heard that popular saying, you are what you eat. Well, that means what you eat today determines who you will become tomorrow. You see, every day, billions of cells in the human body, they die and they get replaced with new ones. The food we consume is the building blocks for every cell in the body. So eating healthful food really protects those cells from disease and it's going to increase your lifespan. But consuming the wrong types of foods, well, that's what's contributing to being overweight or worse, making you more prone to disease. But the good news is no matter how bad your diet has been in the past, you get a do-over. You see, the human body, it's wired for rejuvenation. Every 120 days, new blood cells are formed. Every year, the cells of your liver and lungs are renewed. In 10 years, your bones are brand new. 20 years, you have a brand new heart. So, ask yourself this question. Do you want your organs replaced with the contents of a Dunkin' Donut or something healthy like an apple, spinach, broccoli, or wild-caught fish. These better food choices give the body vital antioxidants, vitamins, minerals, and amino acids. Giving your body this clean, healthy food also supplies hundreds of rejuvenating phytonutrients that you just don't get from those fast food restaurants or from a bag of potato chips. So put a piece of tape on the rearview mirror of your life and stay focused on the healthy road ahead. You get a do-over. All right, our next question comes from Ted Manning from Trenton, New Jersey. Doc, I'm always tired. I'm up to five cups of coffee a day and it's just not working. Then at night, I can't sleep, so I drink wine, which leaves me more groggy and tired in the morning, making me need even more coffee to wake up. 
I've tried eating Skittles to get a sugar buzz, but it doesn't last long. What do you recommend? Uh, thanks for that question, Ted. Um, let me tell you, you're not alone. A lack of energy is considered the most common affliction affecting people. According to the National Safety Council, 43% of Americans are too tired to think clearly at work, make informed decisions, and be productive. So for starters, what you want to do is you want to limit your intake of processed foods like sugar, all these fast food restaurants, alcohol, and coffee. You see, these items, yes, they'll spike your blood sugar. They'll perk you up. However, it's short term because what happens is you get this drop in blood sugar levels and that disrupts your mood, it zaps your energy, and it leaves you less productive. So substitute those sugary Skittles for a piece of fruit, some nuts or some seeds if you need to nosh. It's nourishing. It'll give you some energy. Coffee is another short-lived energy booster. I mean, the caffeine in coffee, no doubt, it spikes that energy. But you'll be even more tired when it wears off. And research has shown people build a tolerance to coffee, which probably explains why you're up to five cups of coffee per day. I bet one to two cups of coffee used to be all you needed. Now you've had to up it to five, and pretty soon it'll be six or seven. So instead of coffee, drink caffeine-free tea or black tea, which actually has half the caffeine content as coffee. So it still has some caffeine in there. But these tea options contain brain-boosting phytonutrients that support sustained energy. It's going to elevate your mood, make you feel good all day. And regarding your alcohol before bed, drinking a glass or two of wine, you know, that's definitely going to relax you at the end of a tough day. It's also going to help you fall asleep faster at night. But the quality of sleep that you're going to get from alcohol is not good. See, alcohol is a depressant and drinking it before bedtime can leave you feeling irritable and tired the following day. So you want to eat sustaining energy foods like you grab those carrots before bed, spinach, sweet potatoes, little bananas, beans, legumes. Stay away from the, the alcohol. Also, you want to opt for foods rich in fatty um, acids. The omega-3s are great. This is going to help improve your energy because they stimulate neurotransmitting pathways in the brain. I recommend eating two to three portions of oily fish a week. Go with like sardine, wild-caught salmon, mackerel, or trout. Just like putting the wrong type of gasoline in your car engine would affect its performance, so does consuming the wrong type of fuel for your body. All right, we got Ken Andrews from Lansing, Michigan has a question. I just watched a docu-series on gut health and how it affects the brain. Ever since I developed colitis, I've been more depressed. What's your opinion on the gut-brain connection. Oh, great question. You know, the gut is often referred now as the second brain because it has its own enteric nervous system that works independently of our cerebrum. So it's got its own little brain down there. The gut also helps with decision making, hence the term trust your gut. And what's your gut instinct telling you? People think that love begins in the heart. Actually, it comes from the gut. This is why you get butterflies in your stomach when you fall in love. Scientists used to believe our emotions originated in the brain, but new research actually shows it may come from the gut. Think about that. If you would hear bad news that a family member was just in a severe car accident, you would feel the pain where? Immediately in your gut. This is where the term gut-wrenching news comes from. If you're afraid of heights, and let's say you were on a high-rise building and you looked out a window, where would you feel it? 
in your gut, right? He's afraid of heights, you feel it in your gut. The digestive tract controls our personality, our mood, even our hormones. And the magical Oz behind the curtain that has so much control over our body is called the microbiome. It's a group of good microorganisms. These are good little bugs in our gut. And if they don't function properly, this can lead to food intolerances, obesity, irritable bowel, bowel syndrome, autoimmune disease, depression, thyroid disease, even cancer has been linked to a bad gut. So many health experts, what they do is they blame this dysfunctional gut on the food we eat. Well, I think there's more to it. I don't think we can put all the blame on food. And I'm known as the food guy, and I'm here to tell you it's not all about food because our grandparents didn't have the gut issues we have today, yet they ate the same types of foods, chicken, pizza, hamburgers, potato chips, cookies. What has changed during our generation are the chemicals found inside our food, the cookware we prepare our food on, and even the containers we store our food in. These ingredients can destroy the microbiome of our gut. When our delicate, friendly bacteria are exposed to these harsh chemicals, what happens is it can create difficulty digesting certain foods that used to not bother us, like gluten. You always hear how gluten's so bad. Well, Humans have been digesting gluten for three and a half million years. In fact, research from the University of Utah shows our caveman ancestors' diet was 40% gluten-containing grains. Why do so many people find it difficult to digest gluten today? Because when the microbiomes of our gut are damaged, this creates inflammation, which makes gluten and other foods more difficult to digest. And one thing we can blame on destroying our gut is the pesticides and the herbicides sprayed on our wheat, on our fruits, and on our veggies. And the most common call is glyphosate. We've heard a lot about that on the news. It's been linked to cancer now. They've lost a lawsuit on that, billions of dollars. And it's an active ingredient in Monsanto's Roundup. Uh, you know what? This chemical is great at killing weeds, so that makes the farmers happy. But ingesting this chemical destroys our friendly bacteria. This creates inflammation, which leads to a leaky gut. This is the major cause here of fatigue, memory loss, irritable bowel, autoimmune disease, even headaches. I get patients, you know, that are getting headaches because their gut's leaking. I solely believe the future of medicine is going to be focusing on our gut. I did an entire show on this topic. Be sure and check out our podcast library and listen to the show titled, What's Your Gut Telling You? You can find it on all the major podcast networks, including iTunes and iHeartRadio, and of course, on my website, toyourgoodhealthradio.com. All right, let's go to the next question was sent to me through the Facebook Food Sanity Forum. This is from uh, Terry Fisher Brendel from Wooddale, Illinois. Now, if you're not a member of this forum and you'd like free access to my daily nutrition and health news that you can use, go to Facebook, search for Food Sanity Forum. Be part of my culinary conundrum circle of friends. It's a lot of fun. All right, okay, Terry asks... See, there's been a lot of talk on Facebook about celery juice. Drinking it daily on an empty stomach will help remove viruses and clear up skin conditions. Is there any truth to this? What's your opinion on celery juice? Great question, Terry. You know, the health claims surrounding celery juice are pretty profound thanks to Anthony William, also known as the medical medium. Celery juice, you know, it's been touted for everything from healing migraines, clinical depression, panic attacks curing autoimmune disease, clearing acne, and even preventing cancer. And, you know, celery is definitely a healthy choice. Celery is great. It's low in calories. It's chock full of vitamin K, which keeps blood clotting, and it helps promote stronger bones. Celery contains vitamin C, vitamin A, and folate. 
However, when you compare celery to other veggies, there's nothing really superior when you look at its nutritional profile. The one benefit that celery does have over all the other vegetables is its gut-friendly fiber content. Well, when you juice celery, guess what? You're destroying that fiber. Juicing can also destroy fruit and vegetables' antioxidant value. I'll share a couple examples. Research shows that one cup of apples contains 15 milligrams of disease-fighting phytosterols. One cup of apple juice contains zero milligrams of these great phytosterols. And the auric measurement of raw cranberries is 9,090 compared to cranberry juice which only measures 1,452. Now, what is auric? That's a lab test that quantifies a food's total antioxidant capacity, so it lowers it when it's juiced. So that said, I'm a fan of the occasional juicing. I do it myself, but when we substitute juicing instead of eating, we're missing out on many health benefits. I believe it's much better to chew our food, not drink it. Thanks so much for the question. Let's go to Ryan Michaels from Schaumburg, Schaumburg, Illinois. Dr. Friedman, what's your opinion on fermented foods? Oh, good question. You know, fermented foods, they're great. I'm a big fan, and it's something you really should put into your diet, have it a regular part. You know, these fermented foods contain live microorganisms, which play a role in good gut health. And there's a ton of research out there showing that documents the potential health effects of fermented foods and what they do for the gut. Fermented foods increase the gut's microbial diversity. And that's the key. And what this does is it improves cognitive function. That's your brain power. It helps your immunity, better weight management, cardiovascular health, and glucose metabolism. Some great examples include Kombucha tea, that's a great one. Miso, kefir, kimchi, natto, tempeh, and pickled vegetables like sauerkraut. I do sauerkraut three times a week. It's so good for you. So if you're struggling with your weight, adding fermented foods actually helps improve metabolism. And it helps you finally shed those unwanted pounds. So yes, I'm a big fan. Ann Scruggs from Dallas, Texas writes, Dear Dr. Friedman, I've tried so many of the diets on the market. I initially lose weight. But it comes right back. What do you suggest? Oh, that's probably a popular question wondered by a lot of people out there. You know, the prefix to the word diet is die. And many people literally consider going on a diet to be a form of punishment not far removed from a death sentence. I mean, let's face it, most diets out there, they require deprivation of foods that you love. So they're taking away what you love and what some of you wake up to enjoy and being forced to eat the foods that you don't enjoy or having to become a mathematician to add up all the calories, the fats, the carbs, and everything you eat. Our daily food choices, it shouldn't be that difficult, folks. I mean, today, 70% of people are considered overweight. Now, compare that to the 19, early 1900s, it was less than 3%. Our great-grandparents, they didn't walk around with a calculator figuring out what they should eat. Their food didn't contain artificial chemicals, preservatives, pesticides, antibiotics, didn't contain hormones. Today, these added ingredients have become part of our standard American diet. The key to enjoying <clears throat> a health diet is to eat clean. You want a healthy diet, you gotta eat clean, opt for organic when possible, and avoid processed foods. So if you have a sweet tooth, I mean, we do. We weren't born with, uh, you know, these sweet 
to, to, you know, enzymes enough to create sweets on our tongue. So I think that our maker didn't make a mistake. So if you have a sweet tooth, skip the processed white sugar. Instead, go with natural sugar alternatives like xylitol from the birch tree. That's a great option. Stevia or even monk fruit. These natural sugars, what they do is they don't spike your blood sugar. So they give you the sweetness, but they don't pack on the pounds. If you're craving salt... Just avoid processed white table salt. The most commonly consumed salt that you get that's that white table salt is void of over 80 naturally occurring minerals. So they used to have these minerals and they're taken out. And then what they do is they they add one mineral back into the mix and they call it iodized salt. You know, consuming this white processed salt that's deficient in all these other vital minerals, what that does is leaves the cells unsatisfied and it creates an internal hunger. This can lead to a mineral imbalance, causing you to crave more carbs and sugar. So it's just catch-22. It's a vicious cycle. However, if you opt for natural, highly structured salt, like Himalayan salt, Redmond ancient sea salt, or my favorite, which is called Hawaiian black volcanic salt, you're going to get over 80 minerals, which will satisfy your cells and cause you to crave less food. The same goes for white processed flour. It gives the body what I refer to as empty calories, meaning it's void of anything nourishing and therefore makes you crave more food. Now, that doesn't mean you have to give up breads and pasta. Just use 100% whole grains or quinoa, buckwheat, or almond flour. It's not that complicated, folks, to eat healthy and lose weight. We make it just far too complicated. Just work on adding color and fiber to your meals rather than focusing on restricting and limiting diet fads out there. And Fruits, vegetables, nuts, and whole grains, they're rich in fiber and a great way to leave you feeling fuller without providing excess calories. Also, stay hydrated. I can't stress this enough. I always tell my patients, drink more water because what happens is your body can mistake dehydration for hunger. And if you eat animal foods, go for organic eggs, wild-caught fish, and organic pasture-raised chicken. Don't overeat. Eat until you're satisfied, not full, and stop bouncing to the latest diet trends. Just good old common sense backed by some common science. All right, Sally Newman from Raleigh, North Carolina, says, I've been taking vitamins for many years, but recently heard... They are not natural. Is this true? Great question, Sally. Yes, that is true. The pharmaceutical industry actually owns all of the major vitamin companies. Bear Healthcare makes one a day and Flintstone Chewables. Theragram M is manufactured by Bristol-Myers Squibb. And Centrum, the number one selling vitamin in the world, is owned by Pfizer. Just like the drugs they make, there is nothing natural in these vitamin supplements. Nothing. Many are created with toxic chemicals that are also used to make drugs, including methanol, benzene, petroleum esters that are used to make antibiotics. And then you've got 2N acetic acid, which is also used to make antimicrobial and antifungal medications. That's right. This is what's used to make your vitamins. So here's a question to ponder. If Big Pharma is creating vitamins that cost consumers $6 per month, and they're also manufacturing expensive drugs like chemotherapy at $15,000 per month, and autoimmune disease, uh, biologic drugs, which cost $9,000 a month, do you really think they have people's best interests at heart when it comes to creating supplements that aid in the prevention of disease? For that answer, 
follow the money. There's a clear ulterior motive when drug companies create our vitamin supplements. Sally, I'm going to send you a signed copy of my book, Food Sanity. And when it arrives, be sure and check out Chapter 9. I devote an entire chapter on this topic. One quick tip that I will share. <clears throat> excuse me. Always look for the label and, and you want to see that whole food ingredients are part of the label. So if you see fruits and vegetables listed or words like leaf, stem, seed, or plant as part of the ingredients, that means it contains natural whole food uh, ingredients there. So that's how you look for it. Look for natural. Nature has answers. Thank you for the question, Sally. We have time for one more quick question. Let's go with uh, Josh Long from Salt Lake City, Utah. Josh asks, I'm a popcorn lover, but recently read that microwave popcorn contains a chemical that's toxic. Dr. Friedman, is this true? Oh, great question. Yes, if you're a popcorn lover, you want to make sure you look on the label for an ingredient called TBHQ. That's called tertiary butylhydroquinine. That's a big mouthful to say, but... It's literally a mouthful if you're eating microwave popcorn. This food additive, it's used to extend the popcorn shelf life and prevent rancidity. It's been linked to autoimmune disease and allergies and liver disease and even stomach cancer. TBHQ destroys our T-cells in the body, and what that does is it wreaks havoc on the immune system, makes you more prone to disease. Another reason to stay clear of microwave popcorn varieties is because most of them are aligned with perfluorinated octanoic acid, PFOAs, which is another mouthful. This chemical is the same toxic stuff found in Teflon pots and pans, which we know are bad, but we're popping popcorn in the microwave that has the same ingredient that many of us are unaware of. And when heated, this chemical has been linked to infertility and cancer. So play it safe. Go with organic air pop popcorn or make it on the stove. Thank you for that question. And that concludes another segment of Ask the Doctor. Thanks, everybody, for all the wonderful questions you sent in. If you have a question that you'd like me to answer on the show, email me at askthedoctor at toyourgoodhealthradio.com. And if I answer yours on the air, I'm going to send you a signed copy of my award-winning, number one best-selling book, Food Sanity, How to Eat in a World of Fads and Fiction. I'll also include my audiobook, America's Unbalanced Diet. If you want to stay up to date with my latest articles and videos and podcasts, go to drdavidfriedman.com. And while you're there, be sure and sign up for my free newsletter. You're going to get all the latest health news you can use sent directly to your inbox. You can follow me on Twitter and Facebook at Dr. David Friedman. On Instagram, I'm at Dr. D. Friedman. If you heard me share something today that could benefit somebody you know, send them a link to this podcast. It's available at toyourgoodhealthradio.com. Check out our podcast library. Share these segments with friends, family, and coworkers, and on social media. Sharing is caring. You can also subscribe to future podcasts at iHeartRadio and iTunes. More to come. Stay tuned and stay well.